Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. So good morning. When um, when was the last time you got on your knees and ardently pled with God on behalf of another person? So this this intervening prayer, this intercessory prayer, this putting ourselves on our faces before the Lord on behalf of another person, these are the pleading pleading prayers of parents in every generation. They have become the pleading prayers of of a growing number of individuals who are home alone during this coronavirus season. And sort of the rediscovery of the power of entering into the presence of God and interceding on behalf of another person. So these testimonies are emerging and arising um, I am hearing them from uh, from friends and colleagues who I know across the country and around the world, and so I want you to be I want to I want you to be watching and listening for these testimonies of pleading prayers, and I'd love to hear your pleading prayer stories as well. Now I don't need you know or desire even the specifics about the concerns that God has planted in your heart. Um, you know, for that other person, just in terms of the the sensitive private concerns of that individual. That's not what we're going for here. We're not trying to till the soil of gossip. What we are trying to do is encourage one another to be praying in ways that um, are honest to who God is, honest to the realities of the world in which we live, um, that demonstrate the heart of concern that we have for our friends, neighbors, members of our family, members of our community, uh, people in the government, I mean, on and on and on, right? So there are lots of folks for whom we might be called to enter into this pleading prayer. I would be interested to know if God has called you to enter into this kind of intercessory pleading prayer during this season. Um, so if you would be so kind as to share that with me, either via an email, carmen at myfaithradio.com, or just, you know, text me at 877-933-2484. Um, each and every one of us has this emergent sense of calling during this season. God is opening up windows and doors to our understanding of the opportunities that he has set before us, the invitations, the ways in which he has already equipped us for every good work that he has called us to do, this growing awareness that we live for such a time as this, that we are alive right now on purpose and for God's purpose in the midst of this global pandemic. And this global pandemic is a pandemic also in our own country and in our own communities, and in some cases in our own homes. So talk with me about your pleading prayers. One of my um, pleading prayers today is for a friend uh, who um, was involved in a rollover car accident 
and I didn't even know that this had happened to him um, because he was severely injured and was therefore in the hospital. Um, and I and so this happened a week ago Monday. So it's a long time to be in the hospital. He's finally moved to um, a rehab hospital. And because and, and I just my heart breaks. Right. But because he's single. Nobody noticed. And because, you know, nobody's going to work right now. Nobody noticed. Nobody raised the alarm that we needed to be interceding in prayer for him. And so um, it convicted me that, you know, maybe I'm not checking in frequently enough on people who I know uh, live alone. And so let's be doing that. Let's let's heighten our awareness and concern for those who are living alone. Um, let's not, uh, whoever God has just brought to your mind, that's the person that you're supposed to reach out to and check on today. Like, give them a call, send them a text message, you know, ping them on Facebook, whatever, however it is that you uh, relate to them in this highly connected world. Let me just encourage you to do that today. Um, So I'm pleading in prayer for the, you know, the restoration of my friend's body in order that um, he can return to the life of, uh, of work and joyful ministry as a lay person that he is engaged in in his community. Who are you pleading with before the Lord today? Um, let us join you in that. Send me a text message, uh, 877-933-2484, or email me, carmen at myfaithradio.com. Peter Kapsner is up next. We're going to be talking about questions related to identity. We're also going to be talking about this weird thing called skin hunger. Apparently, the lack of physical touch is getting to people. We'll be right back. Joining me now, Dr. Peter Kapsner. Peter, where are we telling people to find you? Like, is it even possible if, if they go to if they go to Twitter uh, and yeah. look for you at Dr. Peter Kapsner? Like, are you actually there? Is that you know you know Carmen? I was reflecting a little bit this morning on this whole thing, and uh, and I realized that I'm so anti the herd. Meaning, if you know if the, if the herd of people is running one direction, uh, I end up running the other all the time. And when when the herd all went to social media. Uh, I, I ran the other direction. And I think I, I think this is a me problem, Carmen. I, I think I, I'm trying to I don't know what your evaluation of me here quickly is on a, on a Thursday morning, but I think it's a this me is problem. the perfect lead in to an identity ideology conversation <laughs> that this is a me problem. Go right ahead. Yeah. Well, well, I don't want to break myself down psychologically, you know, in front of all your listeners <laughs> right now. But but I, but I am doing some spiritual, emotional uh, reflection right now about why I just can't get myself to really you know want to be on social media. I have no idea. It's hard for me to like, you know, tell people like, hey, you can follow up with Peter at such and such a place. (laughs) Really, they just have to wait. They just have to wait a whole week to hear you again right here. You know, it'll change someday, Carmen. I do trust that my formation will be complete in this area. I do. Promises. Promises. Okay, let's talk about (laughs) identity. Let's talk about where people are finding their identity. And let's talk about the way that some people are turning, um, wow, their own sense of identity into, you know, frankly, religion. Well, gosh, I mean, right. It's this, this whole thing, I think, um, 
around the virus has really disrupted everything in our lives. And, and it's not just my ability to go to the store. It's not just my ability to go to a church or to be with friends or just even some of the normal freedoms that I have long since taken for granted. It's disrupted my very sense of myself. And who am I in relation to this world? Um, when you can't fulfill maybe a job function that you have, when you can't fulfill some of the relationships that you're in just simply because you cannot even hardly get out of your house, you begin to wonder, who am I exactly? And that is taking shape in, in a lot of different ways and a lot of different questions. Um, maybe you've lost your job, or uh, I certainly know a, a, a number of articles are coming out there about people and even their perception of who they are in some of these confusing sexual conversations that you and I have regularly. I mean, you sent me an article this week about a, a woman who apparently is confused enough that she believes she's attracted to a chandelier and wants to get married to the chandelier. And, and I don't know what that speaks of to you, Carmen, but it just speaks of this sort of desperate need for intimacy in the midst of the isolation and in the midst of the disruption of who am I actually anyway? Okay, so <clears throat> to to spoil uh, things here, um, the court has ruled that attraction to a chandelier is not a legally official sexual orientation. Thankfully, so there right? Seems, right, thankfully. <clears throat> the fact that someone had to adjudicate that is what troubles me most. Um, where where does it end? If we're so far from understanding who we are as human beings made in the image of God, male and female, he created us on purpose in this way. Um, if we've gotten to the place where we actually have to have judges adjudicate whether or not something as completely ludicrous as, a sex, as, a, as some sort of attraction to a chandelier, or multiple chandeliers in this case, right? Um, right. Is a is an official legal sexual orientation. Like, what, what does that tell you about the place to which we have arrived as a culture? Yeah, it was interesting in reading some of the feedback of it. Is that uh, some of the journalists who are covering this story said that they couldn't comment on the uh, veracity of her claims? Meaning, you know, if, if somebody claims to be oriented towards or attracted to, they their job is to be in. It, completely unbiased, at least in their mind, they cannot comment on whether or not her claim would be accurate or inaccurate. So far have we come by allowing somebody to define themselves, as opposed to what you just beautifully said, is that we've been given a definition of our identity. And how that identity plays itself out in the world uh, is going to be different according to the gifts and the callings and the passions and desires God has given us. But our identity is as sons and daughters of God. We are made in God's image, and we're meant to reflect that image uh, insofar as possible in a broken and fallen world through the power of his spirit. And so when we swap that base understanding for any other form of identity and say, hey, I am this or I am this, and especially when it comes to sexual identities. But I, I think, Carmen, people can swap it, as I was just saying earlier, for their job identity, for their relationship identity. We We make illusory identities of ourselves that are transient. And what I mean by that is you know, what happens if my um, when my parents pass away? Uh, am I still a son? Was I a son? Uh, if I understand my identity only as a son or if I'm no longer going to be a college professor at some reason, th does that then change my identity? And so when we fix ourselves in transient identities, life gets really confusing, especially when life gets so disrupted like this. And so if your identity is fixed as I am a child of God, I'm a son and, or a daughter of the king, that fixed identity can then fluidly play itself out in any situation in life. But 
that identity holds you together. That that is your that is your fixed point that gives you just a sense of self and a sense of purpose in the world. Identity is uh, probably the primary and first question, um, which is redundant, primary and first. Uh, but it is the <laughs> foundational question that we have to answer before we can answer questions of belonging and purpose. And so we want people to be um, settled on their identity in Christ, and we want them to be living that out today. So if you're listening to us right now and you have questions about um, about your identity, about who you are, you know, part of our ministry is to engage with people who um, who wonder about what we talk about. And so if you want to engage on this, just send me an email, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com, um, and we'll, we'll talk about identity more deeply in terms of uh, in your identity and the challenges that you're facing today. Um, Peter and I have to take a very quick break. When we come back, we are going to um, take up a a topic that, frankly, I wasn't even aware was an issue until this week. It's called skin hunger. It's apparently scientifically a real thing. The lack of physical touch actually uh, is uh, is like psychologically troubling to people. Um, we're going to deal with this topic uh, with a sensitivity to people who are single, recognizing that both Peter and I um, are uh, are in in marriages and we live with our families, and so neither one of us is probably uh, lacking for touch in the midst of all of this. Um, but other people are. So we're going to talk about skin hunger and what people are dealing with out there in just a moment. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner, we kind of call this the Fifty Shades of Truth segment during the week. Uh, we try to lift up Conversations that are happening in the culture, we try to bring the Christian worldview to bear on such. So, um, Peter, I became aware this week uh, that the lack of physical touch seems to really be getting to people. Uh, You and I have exchanged a number of articles relating to the craving of physical touch that people are experiencing. It has a name. It's called skin hunger. Mm. Um, Talk about this. Yeah, boy, that was really interesting, um, that article that you sent along in a number of different levels. And it, it played itself out in our own family here in the last couple of weeks. My youngest son, Simon, celebrated his 10th birthday. And we have uh, both sets of grandparents are uh, close to us here in the Minneapolis area. And we're extremely grateful for the active role they've played in our kids' lives. But we've obviously been isolated from them quite a bit over the last uh, several months. And the handful of times that maybe we've seen them, we've obviously had to keep our distance and be uh, 6, 10, 12, 15 feet apart. And uh, when my mother-in-law was leaving here a couple of days ago, uh, she, uh, in, a, in a fun way, but in a real way, um, sort of was was a little agitated and said, oh, I just, I just want to hug everybody. I just want to touch my grandson at his 10th birthday. And, and I think we all felt it. We all felt the, that agitation level of we can't do this. It's so weird to be in the same space and yet have these sort of invisible but very real barriers between us. And Scientists are starting to see the impact that this kind of thing has. They they did uh, a study actually not too long ago in France and compared the number of times that young people, teenagers in particular, just in socially acceptable ways, would sort of touch each other, whether it's a quick pat on the back or a handshake or whatever it happens to be. And French teenagers um, would touch each other sometimes around, I think it was about 110 times uh, in a 30 to 60 minute period, whereas for American teenagers in a group, it might be twice. And so there's such a social different way of interacting in Europe than there is in the United States. We certainly experienced it when we lived over there. 
And what they found is that teenagers in the United States were experiencing very high levels of anxiety um, and even some depression in their lives just due to lack of touch. And, and I think one more piece of that puzzle, uh, from, a, from a chemistry standpoint, when somebody touches you on the shoulder or shakes your hand or any kind of human touch like that, it actually re releases a physical chemical in your body called oxytocin. It's, it's a bonding chemical, meaning that in this touch, we begin to bond with each other. <laughs> and uh, they did a study with chimpanzees about that. And when chimpanzees would groom each other, they would suddenly start sharing food with each other as well, even if they were unrelated. And so there's a lot going on here with this, Carmen. And, and to your point about the the hunger for touch, the skin hunger phenomenon that's happening now is they are chronicling greater rises of insomnia and uh, depression and anxiety and turmoil. We are meant to be connected. Uh, we are connected as individuals. And, and when we can't somehow facilitate that connection just through simple socially acceptable means, we do then not only are we isolated in our homes, we're isolated from one another, even if we're in the same space. And people, I think, are starting to experience the impact of that. I um I admit that the I mean I have to like I have to talk to myself about not um you know hugging people who I normally hug right or, absolutely or or extending a hand to uh you know to shake a hand or extending a hand when you know I'm I'm uh, in comfort like right we're just we're it's so odd is this such a, it is. and and there's a reason for it right I mean we are um, created as social beings for relationship or relational beings for society. How, however, talk, talk about, talk about the way we're made and why we're experiencing this because of the way we're made. We are, you know, we, we talked in that first segment about being made in God's image, right? And that we are image bearers uh, of, of our King. Well, when you look at who God is, God is relationship. God is intrinsic, intrinsically relational within the Godhead itself. It is father, son, and spirit living in a distinct from, but entirely united uh, unity. And that, that's been sort of the historical doctrine of the church is that you cannot separate the Godhead. It's why the cross uh, and what was such a profoundly difficult event, there was a rending of the Godhead so that Jesus could become subject to death, thus emptying his connection to the divine. And that's why in that, that heart cry of, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's the beginning of the rending process in that, but we are not meant to be rent from each other. We are meant as beings um, to live in relationship. Uh, even Paul in the beautiful witness of Corinthians talks about the idea that we are one body. We've been baptized by one uh, into one body, given one spirit to drink together, and we are meant uh, to be interconnected in that way. And, and that's why I think as much as I sympathize and I'm very grateful for online church services, and we were just talking with some of our dear friends in Scotland yesterday in a Zoom meeting and, and talking about the church services that are being facilitated right now, we're really grateful that it can be online. And my wife and my kids and I were watching an NT Wright Ask Anything podcast the other day about his response to the virus, and all of this is good, but it is no substitute for being in the same space with one another. And there, I have a hunger to just simply be in the same geographic proximity with other believers to, again, shake a hand, to pat somebody on the back, to give somebody a hug that I know. This is how we're designed. This is how we're wired. And so when, when you have sort of this profound American individualism 
uh, being met with the social distancing necessary and the virus, uh, it's it's a pretty uh, potent and toxic combination that does lead to all sorts of negative consequences, like the anxiety and, and turmoil that the article was describing. Peter, you and I have to leave it right there. As always, we didn't have enough time. But um, thank you so much uh, for joining us again. Uh, And uh, again, friends, if you are um, if you're if you're aching right now um, for lack of touch, I want to encourage you. I want I want to encourage you to go before the Lord and ask him to satisfy that need. Um, Find yourself held by God, uh, enveloped by his spirit, surrounded by his um, his embrace. God is present. He's actually closer to you than your next breath, and he can certainly comfort you um, in the midst of this particular craving right now for human touch. We'll be right back. Whoo! All right. Um, up next, uh, this is just going to be delightful, so let me just go ahead and invite you to be delighted Christine Hoover is a very popular Christian podcaster. She is also an author. Um, She's going to join us next. We're going to talk about her new book, With All Your Heart. Now, this is really about what it looks like to live in allegiance to Jesus as the king of my life right here and right now. So what what does it look like to joyfully and faithfully live in allegiance to King Jesus right here and right now with all your heart? Christine Hoover will be here next. This is Max Licato. What will happen if your job disappears or your health diminishes? or the economy takes a nosedive? Does God have a message for his people when calamity strikes? He certainly had a word for Isaiah. The prophet wrote, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. God calmed the fears of Isaiah, not by removing the problem, but by revealing his divine power and presence. Rejoice that God is able to do what you cannot do. Your anxiety decreases as your understanding of your heavenly Father increases. This is Max Lucado. Delighted to have joining me now, Christine Hoover. You can find her at gracecoversme.com. I also have discovered today that you can get a free downloadable study guide for the book we're discussing today uh, if you go to her website. So gracecoversme.com. Christine Hoover is a pastor's wife. She's the mom of three boys. She's the host of the By Faith podcast, author of several books, Joining us today to discuss uh, her latest release, With All Your Heart, Living Joyfully Through Allegiance to King Jesus. Christine, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen, for having me. Um, all right, so you 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 cut me right to the heart with this book. Uh, I just want to go ahead and acknowledge and admit that. Um, and I, I am a person who is profoundly captivated by King Jesus. I love him. I worship him. I desire for him to be enthroned in my life. Um, what your book helped me discover are the places in my life 
where my allegiances are divided. Talk mm. with us about allegiance. Talk with us about the reality that we are designed for allegiance, but maybe why we resist it. Mm. Well, I'm so glad that's your response to the book because that was my hope is that people would read it and realize that a lot of the uh, false allegiances, that's the language I use in the book, are subtle. We, we, can, we can name all of the worldly allegiances that we know we do not need to turn toward, but we don't often think about the more subtle things in our daily life that we turn to in place of Christ for any sense of peace or security or joy. And so the language that I use in the book is allegiance because that is the work that God did in my own life to show me that a lot of what I was experiencing in a season of my life was that I was bowing to a false allegiance without even realizing it. And how I came to that understanding was reading the book of Matthew and seeing Jesus constantly talk about the kingdom of God. And that's not something that I had ever really studied before or known what exactly that meant, the kingdom of God. What does it mean that I have a king? What does that, what kind of king is he? And so through that study and through the experience that I was walking through in my life of just, I would say a time of wilderness, a time of uncertainty, the, the combination of studying the kingdom of God with that, I realized that I was bowing to false allegiances like the approval of people or the belonging that I was looking for in relationships rather than looking to Christ ultimately as the one who can give me those things. And that's really the the key takeaway for me from writing this book is that Jesus is a king who gives. And all of these things that we look to, we sometimes call them crutches, sometimes idols. They really are not kings who give. They're kings who take from us. So we may look for joy and happiness in them, but ultimately it takes us down a pathway of death and it, it only takes from us rather than giving as King Jesus does. What we don't often call them um, any longer, but I think they also um, are, could be characterized as besetting sins. Yes. That, that's what, um, let me just say that that's what I discovered when I arrived at, uh, at chapter seven, where, um, where my divided allegiance, where my false king um, of control was, uh, was very clearly exposed. And so I want to thank you in particular for that particular chapter. Um, the the entire book is um, framed around the kingdom of God and the King. We don't. We are not just waiting the kingdom in heaven. There is uh, a kingdom uh, of God here and now. Um, you lead us to behold our King. You lead us to receive the kingdom of God. Talk a little bit about that because. It's hard to move further into the conversation about allegiance unless we know the one to whom our allegiance is owed. Yes. Uh, the king, King Jesus, he is anointed by his father as the king of our hearts. And our hearts, as you said earlier, are created for allegiance. We're looking for fullness and satisfaction. And God says where we find that is in Jesus. And he came and he said, I have come to, to preach the kingdom. Uh, he is, pro he was proclaiming the kingdom. And what he means by that is that there's entrance into the citizenship of heaven, that he is the door, he is the gate to enter and he goes before us. That's something that I've loved to discover in the book of Matthew is that he is a king who lives the law 
the kingdom law perfectly. And he does it in our place so that we can come behind him into the kingdom. And so he is a king who blesses. That's what the whole Beatitudes are about, that as we come under the rule and reign of Christ, that is the definition of the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of Christ. As we come under him, he provides blessing and provision. He is our our shield and our favor before God. And so everything that he has and oversees as the king is ours because of what he has done for us. And there's so much joy to me in realizing the truth and the extensive reality that that means for me, that the kingdom of God is now, I can experience that now, but also the kingdom of God is coming and we will see that fully when we are with him eternally. I am talking with Christine Hoover. Um, Among other things, she is the author of With All Your Heart, Living Joyfully Through Allegiance to King Jesus. Her website is gracecoversme.com. She and I are going to take a very brief break when we come back. We're going to continue the conversation, and we're going to talk about um, why escaping from the king or king escape is really the ruler of the age in which we now live. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with podcaster and author Christine Hoover. You can find her at gracecoversme.com. The book we're discussing is With All Your Heart, Living Joyfully Through Allegiance to King Jesus. You can download a free study guide at the website. Um, Christine, you beautifully describe the king, King Jesus. We should want that. We should desire that. We should be drawn to him. And yet, what you describe as king escape is is like the ruler of the age in which we live. Talk about that. Yes. Well, I'm sure everyone listening can relate to that right now, especially we're looking, at least for me, I find myself looking for an escape from the situation that we find ourselves in. And it's not just the situation, but what that demands of me in my daily routines, I'm wanting to escape um, really what God is wanting to do in my heart because it's it's difficult. It's difficult for all of us right now. Uh, I do think it's the king of our age and whether we're in the coronavirus time or not, because we are, we are living in a very disembodied age where we escape with our minds, whether it's through our cell phone or it's just through Uh, you know, Netflix or whatever, we're wanting to escape the realities facing us each day. And what I found in writing that chapter uh, is that when we're trying to escape, we're really, we're really talking about desire. We're talking about a hunger and a thirst for something. And I remember when I was young, a young mom, uh, I would look for, I remember when I first had my children, I would look for a way to to find rest and to kind of escape the responsibility of caring for my children. I don't mean all the time, but just, you know, maybe an hour or two a week, my husband would send me off and I would, I would look for ways to relax. And I ended up doing that by walking around Target and looking at People Magazine. And those are not bad things in themselves, but I realized that I would come back almost more hungry, if you will, for rest. And, and I was trying to escape in a way that wasn't truly soul, soul life giving. And through that, I learned that a lot of times when we're, when we're hungering and thirsting for something, if we try to escape 
through those things, we're really escaping God and what he is wanting to give us, which is life. Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. And a lot of times we don't think, at least for me in my life, it's been a struggle for me to think of going to God is, is going toward life, toward joy, toward peace. Because sometimes we think of him more as a killjoy of he's demanding of us, but it's really the opposite. If you think about what Jesus said about the enemy, that he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, he takes, whereas God, Jesus says, I came to give life. And so to escape through these mindless activities is to escape true life. And, and so in that chapter, I just call us to, to see that and to follow our hunger and our thirst toward the one who truly can give it, not escape, but to go toward him. I'm glad you, um, I'm glad there are three words you used in, in that description. One was mind, um, because I do think there's mindlessness to much of the, um, false allegiances that we have. Like we get into them, they become a rut, they become routine. We do them mindlessly. The That must be a trick of the enemy, like to get me to do something and then to get me to do it on such a regular basis that I do it mindlessly. Because at that point in time, the mind of Christ is not operating within me. I am not living in active submission to the Lord of my life. I am literally mindlessly engaged in something that's contrary to his kingdom principles and his best for me. Um, so I appreciated that in the book, this this intentionalness. I also really appreciated the focus on what I will describe as um, an integration of what I say I believe, what I believe I believe, and then the way that I act. So um, we, we move from this disintegrated sort of multiple allegiances, all of, uh, all of one but which are false, to this integrated, joyful reality where I get to live in love and in relationship with Jesus with all my heart. Talk about the full, robust reality of living in this way. Mm, yes. Well, I like that word integration that you used because I, one of the things I talk about in the book and that I've learned in my own life is that paying attention to my whole life and how I feel, um, what, what are the fruits that I'm experiencing in my life that those are good indicators if I am not living wholeheartedly before Jesus or integrated as you just said. And so for those listening, I think you can, you might think, well, you know, Carmen said that she found this certain false allegiance and Christina's talking about this. How do I, how do I even know where I'm turning mindlessly to other things without thinking? And I think one way you can know is to look at the, the emotions and the fruits that are coming out in your life. And I don't think always emotions speak these things, but I do think if we're, we're having consistent patterns, uh, I use the example in the book of where I was feeling very dissatisfied and unsettled and I couldn't figure out what was going on for months at a time. And I finally, through prayer and God, God really spoke to me and showed me that I had envy at the root of those those feelings. And so I think when we can look at those and say, I I'm, there's a lot of, there's a lack of peace. There's a lack of joy. Uh, there are rotten fruits coming up like bitterness. And so let's look at the root of that. And often at the root is a false allegiance. 
for me with envy, I was looking to people to, for, for only things that God could give me a sense of belonging and acceptance that only he could give. And so by looking at those emotions and, and thinking about that, giving that attention, letting God work in my life and show me and test my heart, I could get to the root of that. And I could repent of that and remember that Jesus is the, is a King who gives. So I can go to him for what it is that I really am longing for. And I can wait and I can trust him to give me what I need. I love how practical the book is. Um, it is, uh, it, it, every chapter um, ends with this encouragement, um, the self-assessments, this additional probing um, daily practices, scripture readings. I really appreciated that. I, I certainly appreciate this downloadable study guide that you have um, on your website. Let me direct people there again. I had it up here on my screen, and now I'm going to turn my paper over. GraceCoversMe.com. Christine Hoover's book is just excellent with all your heart. I, uh, I certainly commend it to you. Christine, thank you so much for joining us here today and helping us to discover not only our false allegiances, but then helping us to recover and live into a genuine allegiance to King Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. I appreciate it. It's been a delight. We'll be right back. All right, we have talked about a range of things uh, during this morning's conversations. I just want to encourage you uh, in this last couple of minutes that we have together. I want to encourage you to be uh, gentle and gracious with yourself today. Tend to the needs of, um, of your own heart and soul. If you need to rest, rest. There are so many things right now that I just recognize I cannot control. So many things. So many things. Um, control is, by the way, uh, the Chapter 7 uh, false allegiance, <clears throat> false king that is a fake king that is identified in Christine's book. And, um, you know, I've just recognized that's the one that challenges me the most day in and day out. And I see evidence in my life of uh, of this fierce false allegiance when I am treating other people in a way that um, is less than I should treat them in terms of fellow image bearers of the living God. And so I'm convicted by that. I'm convicted when um, now I recognize um, in, in what I say or the way I say it, I'm, I'm suggesting that that person should be more self-controlled or controlled by whatever I'm thinking or doing at the time versus living in the full liberty of who they are as a fellow image bearer of God with the full freedom, um, you know, of their sometimes very unrighteous head. Like, I get that. All right. So uh, pray for me today as I am seeking the Lord diligently in my pleading prayers. Um, I will seek the Lord for you as well. Let us be together in the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, encouraging one another as fellow image bearers of the living God. I'd like to give you a virtual hug right now. We cannot do so um, physically, but I recognize that we're all a little starved for that. So let me go ahead and give you a spiritual hug right now, um, praying that the, God, that the God of the universe would extend to you his everlasting arms in this moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would actually just feel him in a way that's tangible. Feel yourself beheld of the God who created you, the God who loves you, 
the God who calls you his own, the God who desires to dwell with you forever and ever. For this, he has come. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.